You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose No Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bolchevich. And now, here's Jay. And good afternoon. It's another edition of the Bose Nose Show, and I'm your host, Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And it's another beautiful day in beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. Actually, yeah, maybe I'm stretching it to say it's a beautiful day. Because um, it's kind of hazy from the smoke coming in from forest fires. It's on its way up above 100 degrees for the day, and it is hot for the Willamette Valley. And I know all you folks, you know, on the east side of the mountains or down south in in Douglas County kind of laugh at us up here in Willamette Valley, how much we complain about getting to 100. Or the folks on on the east coast that have the humidity up in the 90s when they're close to 100 uh, think that we're a bunch of heat wimps. And we are, because we ain't used to it. So there. We don't like it. <laughs> it is hot. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that we just have to go through here in the Northwest. We get about two weeks of hot weather a year that where we actually get highs above 95 degrees. And, uh, yeah, for those of us here, you'd think we were melting. But today is a free-for-all day on the Bose Nose Show, and you get to control the topic. You know, we can talk about how hot it is, how smoky it is, how high the fire danger is, all sorts of things in the news today. But you got to give me a call at 646-721-9887 and just press one. And that lets Robin, my call screener, producer extraordinaire, know that you want to get in on the Bose Nose Show and talk live with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, me, Jay Bozovich. So, Again, I want to give that phone number out, 646-721-9887. And don't forget to press 1 because we do get people that dial in on that line purely just to listen to the show, uh, which is possible from anywhere in the world. And we actually have uh, one listener that listens while long-haul trucking using her cell phone because it's a little difficult to keep an internet connection. So bunch of stuff in the news today. Like I mentioned, it is hot. And I just want to say that folks that want to uh, get out of the heat, there are a bunch of cooling centers open here in in the Willamette Valley in Lane County. A lot of the cities have libraries open. A lot of community centers are being open like between the hours of 10 to 6. And there's actually a list of those on uh, our county website, our public health department. And actually, if you go to my Facebook page, I posted uh, uh, a post about that on the uh, Jay Bozovich West Lane County Commissioner page. 
and you can hit the link there and it'll take you directly to the uh, PDF of all the listing of all the cooling centers. Uh, so no excuse for being out in the heat if you don't need to be, especially, you know, like they always like to say, elderly, young children, uh, people with compromised health. You really shouldn't be out in this kind of heat because um, the way it stresses your system and your system's not not up to defending itself against that kind of stress, um, you know, particularly if you're a young child or, or elderly. So uh, I know that uh, Coburg City Hall is being opened up. They're actually showing movies there from about uh, 10 to 6 today. So all sorts of places you can go. I think the uh, uh, Senior Center in Veneta is being opened. Uh, they've got uh, uh, Junction City's got a couple places open. There's several churches that are opening themselves up that have air conditioning. And of course, there's a hundred other places you can go to get get cool. Um, a lot of nice restaurants and bars that have good air conditioning. You can always go to the mall and just kind of stroll around uh, the mall for a while, get your steps in and the air conditioning there. Um, you know, don't don't be out in the heat if you don't need to be. And if you need help, um, you can certainly uh, reach out to. Uh, our senior and disabled services, if you're a senior, uh, and there are other places that you can reach out to um, by uh, calling uh, 211 here in the county, and that will connect you with a lot of our social services folks if, if you're having problems with the heat. But, you know, with that heat, um, there's a really high fire danger right now, and the Oregon Department of Forestry and the uh, Lane County Fire Chiefs um, uh, association here uh, has raised the uh, fire levels up to basically shutting things down in this county. Uh, they've raised the fire level for uh, industri industrial practices up to an IPFL, which is industrial uh, fire protection level of three, which basically says, you know, no chainsaws or anything, um, hardly at all out in the forest. And then uh, the public uh, fire level is extreme, which basically says absolutely no open flames. And, and that the only place you can have an open flame is, is in uh, um, a barbecue or um, a, a, a gas uh, fire pit. And it has to be over a hard surface or impervious surface. And you can't mow lawns unless they're green and irrigated. Uh, so just really be careful out there. We're in a red flag warning right now. So the conditions are really um, perfect for wildfire. And we've already had a couple today uh, already in Lane County, one down on CV Loop that fortunately started early in the morning. So the grass was still wet from dew and they managed to get a control of that after about two acres right across from um, Howard Buford Recreational Area. Um, otherwise known as Mount Pisgah. So you can imagine if that had kind of gotten away and gotten up up the hill there would have been, um, could have been pretty devastating to some pretty beautiful property. So be careful out there. Uh, think twice before you're gonna go do something like mow your lawn. Uh, shouldn't be out in this heat working anyway. Should be inside listening to Bo's No Show 
on a free-for-all day where you can call 646-721-9887 and just press one to get on the show and control the conversation. You want to tell me about you know how hot it is, uh, your tips for beating the heat, a uh, little bit about how to prevent fires, whatever you want to talk about there. Or we can talk about the fact that all these forest fires that are being generated by this heat wave on the West Coast are now starting to affect our air quality. In fact, um, all you have to do is kind of look outside and the sky is not its usual bright blue. It's kind of that pale grayish blue because there's a haze in the air and it's showing up um, Lane Regional Air Protection Authority that uh, monitors air quality here. Uh, you can go on their website and see they are they are hitting um, really high levels of uh, what they call particulate matter uh, 2.5 microns or less, which they call PM 2.5. Um, if you go to their graphs, you can see how it was going along nice and low, and all of a sudden it's just spiked in the last 24 to 48 hours uh, on all of their um, all of their various um, monitoring stations around the area. So. Uh, air quality is not all that great out there either. So, you know, not only is the heat hard on folks with with uh, health compromises, it's now getting bad out there air quality wise for folks that have uh, asthma or allergy issues on top of the heat. So really, um, you ought to be inside listening to the Bose Nose Show or you can catch us on Facebook right now because we're actually broadcasting live on Facebook. Uh, so you know, you can actually, um, you know, comment through Facebook with us and, uh, you know, get get to us that way. If you post a comment to our Facebook page, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see that and try and reply here on the air. So uh, lots of ways to get in on the Bose Nose Show here on a free-for-all. They don't have a, a guest today, so you guys get to control the topic. So you can reach us through Facebook. You can reach us on our phone number at 646-721-9887. And just press one, that lets us know you have a question. Or you can send us an email at talk at krbnradio.net. And uh, of course, you know, there are other ways to get the show. You can get uh, us through uh, FM Player on just uh, Google KRBN Radio. And uh, there's all sorts of you know, ways you can reach me uh, through Facebook. You can either reach us through the KRBN Internet Radio Facebook page. You can reach me on my West Lane County page, or you can reach me um, via uh, uh, my personal page even and personally message me. Of course, if you go to my personal Facebook page, you might get to see pictures of my poodles uh, and other other issues. Uh, that are more not quite what you would uh, expect uh, uh, from your Lane County Commissioner. So <laughs> give us a give us a try. You know, here you get to control control the uh, program. But kind of going on about um, the current you know weather situation here, fire dangers and smoke. Um, so really, one of the things. Uh, that's coming up with El Rapa, I just want to make people aware of is in September, we're going, you know, I also sit 
uh, as a Board of Commissioner, I am the commissioner assigned to sit in Lane County's seat on the Lane Regional Air Pollution Authority's board. So I'm also a commissioner on that um, board, and we are going to be hearing a public uh, hearing in September 14th on outdoor burning regulations and changes we're making there. Uh, so one of the things you may uh, want to do is go to El Rapa's website and uh, you can go to some of their public notices uh, there and see the public notice on that. Some of the changes are pretty minor, uh, cleaning up some definitions, making some language you know, changes, but probably one of the things we're cleaning up a little bit is stuff about ceremonial fires where there's, you know, of course, you know, we have a lot of difficulty we can't really ban people using fire uh, as part of a religious ceremony because there's your First Amendment rights to uh, free practice of whatever religion. But people were kind of using that that um, loophole to have uh, basically Burning Man events uh, at some of these uh, little festivals and all that stuff and claiming it was a ceremonial fire. So we've actually put some limitations on how big a ceremonial fire can be. <laughs> and if you want to have one that's bigger than that, you actually have to do some permitting to get it done. Because uh, we actually had somebody do basically a burning man in, in late July in red flag conditions. Um, way out near uh, Five Rivers, which actually is part of Lane County. Um, that that you have to go through uh, Lincoln County to get to. <laughs> you can't get there from here without going out of the county and back in. So uh, really remote area of the county and, and uh, really uh, was a fire danger. So there there's some changes there. Uh, it also includes a complete outdoor burning ban within the Eugene uh, urban growth boundary, uh, which is part of Eugene code. Uh, which is different from Springfield's urban growth boundary where you can do outdoor burning if you have uh, more than a half acre of land. So it leads to a lot of confusion in, in uh, people calling in complaints and all that, thinking that there's a complete ban and they don't understand whether they're in Springfield's ur urban growth boundary or Eugene's, but those changes are coming up with the uh, Lane Regional Air Pollution Authority uh in september so just kind of a an early warning to folks that are interested in things like open burning and and being allowed to not allowed to you know what your neighbors are allowed to do um cleaning up some rules kind of tightening up a few others um in that you know so we don't end up uh hopefully with a lot of uh, poor air quality days like we're having today but uh yeah, there are a few other things that are in the news lately, and uh, there's a story uh, basically that the um, Register Guard ran about the interagency narcotics uh, enforcement team closing down here uh, locally. And of course, you know, the Register Guard, uh, bless them, uh, can't write a headline without trying to make it look like it's something that Lane County did wrong. <laughs> You know, they Lane, you know, basically saying, uh, you know, that Lane County closes, you know, is closing down the, the team. What they, the, the Register Guard fails to understand is 
the interagency narcotics teams are a function of the Oregon State Police, and they're not a county function uh, necessarily, although county agencies participate. The sheriff has participated in the past, You can, and if you read the story currently, there's a some EPD and Springfield uh, police staff assigned to that team. But the bulk of the team is uh, Oregon State Police. And the reason it's kind of closing down is the state legislature cut OSP's budget and specifically cut um, narcotics, uh, the narcotics division of OSP. And that's the major reason behind why the team's gotten so underfunded that that um, they've decided to disband the, the the one that serves Lane County. Um, so it wasn't that Lane County disbanded the interagency narcotics enforcement team. It was budget cuts through the legislature for the Oregon State Police, which the legislature has been disinvesting in them for years to come. Uh, you know, for all you know, for years now, uh, really has led to this closing down of this kind of important team because this is you know one of the places where um, really it it, it kind of kept a, a somewhat of a lid on on some of the methamphetamine trafficking in this county, which there's an awful lot of because we have I five. Um, and we're on the major corridor that moves methamphetamine up and down the West Coast, uh, you know, from the major cartels to the south of us, up through the, the all the way up into uh, Seattle and all the way even into uh, Canada. Uh, so we see a lot of methamphetamine in this state. Um, it's actually, we're actually the state where the methamphetamine crisis started because it was made in, in people's homes uh, in the depressed uh, timber areas when Spotted Owl shut down the timber industry back in the uh, late 80s was when meth kind of got going and it actually was the first drug epidemic that started in rural communities and moved to the inner city versus the other direction in America. So uh, little known fact about, about meth. But uh, the interagency narcotics enforcement team was not closed down by the county. Contrary to the way the Register Guard writes uh, headlines, and in fact, you know, I have to just kind of jump on the Register Guard a little bit because it's kind of the second, um, you know, set of headlines they put up recently where they kind of wanted to try and make it look like the Lane County failed. They ran a story this weekend about Lane County failing to bring home money for the Beltline Road um, improvements from the legislature. And it was a complete failure either by the person that writ wrote the story or the editors to really understand how funding of transportation projects works in the state of Oregon. Because it's actually the exception to the rule that a um, bill in the legislature funding transportation would actually earmark projects with money. So the fact that we got a earmark of $30 million to improve territorial highway down near Lorraine, that is highly unusual and a huge win for the county. 
And the fact we got 42nd Street, we've got money coming in for Highway 99 improvements in Eugene, uh, 42nd Street in Springfield, a couple other projects around. Uh, Highway 126 west of town got earmarked some money. That's really an unusual thing to have happen in transportation bill. And Beltline, we didn't specifically make an ask to fund that because it's not ready for the money yet. Uh, what we do have already is $5 million set aside in the state uh, transportation improvement program, which is referred to as the STIP, like a lot of government stuff, everything's acronyms, uh, that goes through the Oregon Transportation Commission, also known as the OTC, uh, for approval. There's $5 million already set aside for the environmental studies and right-of-way acquisition that the pre-work to doing the Beltline Road ultimate improvements there, Delta Highway and across the Willamette River to River Road, um, that's going to ultimately be a couple hundred million dollar project. But they have to get the environmental work done because the National Environmental um, Protection Act, NEPA as, as it's called, another acronym, uh, requires they go through all those environmental assessments before they can move on to the next phase, which is you know design and of the whatever the chosen alternative is that you just that you identify in the environmental assessments and um, funding of construction. So it's not ready for construction money yet. Uh, but one of the things that happened with this transportation bill is the pot of money that typically is used to fund projects like Beltline or Territorial Highway just doubled in size. And that's the pot of money that is that the STIP, the State Transportation Improvement Program, that the OTC, the Oregon Transportation Commission, approves and allocates and prioritizes, goes, that's the big pot of money, just got twice as big. So I can't see how Lane County failed to do anything when we actually got some projects directly funded because they were ready for the funds. They had already gone through those steps and were ready. And we made the pot of money twice as big that will ultimately be available for projects like Beltline Road. And the other thing the guard doesn't understand is there's already $20 million worth of improvements funded for Beltline over the next couple of years. Now, a lot of those are, are overlays and resurfacing of the road, but a lot of it's uh, improvements to some of the uh, on and off ramps, some safety improvements throughout the, the length of Beltline. So it's not like, you know, we're not spending money on Beltline. Between those spot improvements of $20 million and $5 million on environmental assessments and right-of-way acquisition for the ultimate big project, that's $25 million that's already in the pipeline for Beltline Road. And the, and the story made it sound like Beltline's going nowhere. So, um, you know, and, and if you just simply read the headline, it would make like it was some big failing of Lane County that, that Beltline wasn't funded, which was completely a, a, a not understanding how transportation projects are funded in the first place. And that direct funding is not a typical method of funding a project in this state. Uh, unless, you know, 
used to be you could get you know earmarks out of the federal government for projects in the past some transportation projects have been funded that way uh, some of the initial beltline i5 interchange was funded by earmarks before they were eliminated um, so that's you know that's kind of a my my bitch session about the register guard and how they write headlines because we certainly had nothing to do with the interagency narcotics um, enforcement team being shut down and lane county had you know actually had big wins in the transportation bill and uh if you were just to read the two headlines on those stories for some reason you'd think that lane county failed when it came to transportation and beltline and lane county closed down uh an important uh local drug uh investigation team and and we didn't so um Got to say, um, thanks, Register Guard. You, you, you always are making my job a little bit more difficult in that I spend a lot of time explaining why your headlines aren't accurate <laughs> to my constituents who read the headlines and get mad and call me and want to know why we're doing this or didn't do that. Um, really wish they would spend a little bit more time doing research or make a few phone calls before they write a story. Um, but we all know that the media is under the microscope in this country anyway. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, whether it's from the national media that, that our current administration's kind of at war with, or it's local media um, that even, you know, I sometimes do battle with. Um, and, and part of that's just the state of the media today. And I, you know, I have, I've had a couple guests on, I had Bill London on from uh, KPNW, and we talked about the state of the media. And it's kind of sad because um, with the invention of the internet and people not, you know, more than one television station now, uh, you know, we're not, we're no longer three networks, we're, you know, a hundred networks, multiple ways for people to get news or multiple things that will distract them from watching the news and uh, television and um, newspaper news crews are actually so small and so limited they don't have time to get their stories right. I, I have trouble really being mad at them because they got one person running around trying to cover 20 different things and you're basically getting news sniglets or you're getting regurgitation of somebody's press release and no real looking into the background of, of, of what's the real story. You know, and you know, I can't always blame them. It's the state of the news media in modern society that creates headlines where it looks like the county shut shut a, uh, a, a narcotics enforcement team down, or it looks like the county failed to get funding for Beltline um, when it wasn't actually what happened. Uh, and that's just kind of, you know, the way the media is today. So. Today is a free-for-all day on the Bose Nose Show, and you are listening to the Bose Nose Show here on KRBN Internet Talk Radio, and you can get in here and control the conversation today because it is free-for-all day at 646-721-9887, and just press 1, and that lets us know you want to get in on the conversation. Uh, you can also email us at talk at krbnradio.net. Or you can message us on Facebook as we're broadcasting live right now on the KRBN Internet Radio Facebook page. 
Um, so, you know, if there's something you want to talk about, uh, whether it's the, today's heat, uh, El Rapa's open burning regs, uh, you know, the interagency narcotic enforcement team, is it good that it's shut down, bad that it's shut down, or transportation funding in the state of Oregon? Well, we can move on to some other topics I kind of had tagged um, to maybe get to today. And, you know, as we were talking about smoke intrusion and uh, cleaner air Oregon, um, uh, El Rapa, open burning, you know, it gets me around to um, a couple other, uh, you know, what I would consider, um, you know, basic uh, um, air quality issues. And one of those has always been secondhand smoke. And uh, yesterday at our board meeting, we had a work session about probably our last tobacco-related issue we're going to look at in the next couple years, as a board at least. And that is whether we want to ban tobacco and vaping and whatever use on our campuses, not inside the buildings, but actually on the building grounds out to the property line. And uh, you know, referred to as a campus smoking ban is what they call that. Similar to like the U of O did, where now if you actually go out to the University of Oregon and you drive down uh, Hilliard, I guess it is, is that the, the one that goes down the middle of campus um, or past campus? Is it Hilliard? I don't know. Um, but you'll see staff members standing in, in the center island of some of the pedestrian walkways smoking because they're not allowed to smoke on at their work, even outside the buildings uh, of their workspace. And our um, public health and uh, prevention staff want us to adopt a ban at all county facilities. And, and I'm not real um, a strong supporter of that at all. Um, in fact, I voted against banning it in our parks because I haven't seen clear, objective, uh, peer-reviewed studies that show it's a best practice to actually reduce smoking in our population and that there's some true health benefit to those outdoor bans because once you get outside like that, secondhand smoke threat really isn't much of a threat. And um, there hasn't really been a study that says, well, you know, you make people actually walk out into the street right away to smoke, that's going to stop them from smoking versus 20 feet from a, a doorway at 25 feet or whatever the current rule is from a doorway. Um, they're, they're having to go outside and smoke anyhow. And, and for me, uh, I'm a little concerned because particularly with our, our downtown public service building, that's the building we hold our county uh, commission meetings in. That that's where the public comes to address their elected officials. It's also where our elected assessor is housed, our elected sheriff, and our elected district attorney. And it's also our our county courthouse where all of our judicial system is. And I believe that limiting smoking on that campus is basically telling everyone that's addicted to a a currently legal product in this in the in the United States and the state of Oregon that 
you know, we're going to make it hard for you to um, have redress with your elected officials and redress with your government because you you can't smoke anywhere near that building and our you know three four hour county commission meetings where you might need to step out because of your addiction you're going to have to get off of the grounds and if you're a juror and serving multiple days on long days in jury duty uh, of a complicated uh, case um, you're going to have to not only leave the secure perimeter of of the court facility so you have to come back through security you're going to have to actually walk off site you know which leads to a whole nother issue of, of keeping um jurors jurors panels secure and and other issues there so i'm i'm not a real fan of of this and i kind of wonder uh you know what other people think about that so if you want to call and talk about banning tobacco from the outsides of county buildings give me a call at 646-721-9887 here on the bose nose show and just press one and that lets robin my call screener and producer extraordinaire know you want to get in on the conversation so uh we can talk about um whether or not lane county should ban tobacco on our campuses and you know it's kind of insidious why this is actually coming up because it's not um, a high priority for our um, community health improvement plan to do this, but it's something that was a um, a string attached to money that comes from the state and the federal government. We get funding for um, smoking prevention and cessation uh, programs uh, here in Lane County from the state, about a half million dollars a year annually. But part of our agreement for taking that money is that we will ultimately work on having um, smoke-free campuses. So, um, you know, if we clearly decide we're not going to have smoke-free campuses, we'll have to deal with the state and whether or not they're going to continue to give us the prevention monies. Um, so, one of those things where you where it's typical of the way a lot of federal and state funding work. If you if you take the money, there's strings that come along with it. And um, I'm personally ready to kind of tell the state, go ahead and take the money from us uh, if if that's what it means. And uh, you know, you're kind of cutting off your, just because we won't do this one additional step, you're gonna have us not do, you know, trying to keep kids from starting use of tobacco and you're not going to have us do any enforcement of you know we basically use a lot of that money to do spot checks on retailers and to double check that folks are are um, maintaining uh, you know their uh, smoking areas at least a minimum distance from doorways and all that at some of the bars etc um, and restaurants so there's all sorts of things that money gets used for um, and to, to kind of take that away over the fact that we won't tell people they can't smoke out there in the Wayne Moore's free speech plaza uh, in, in the open air with no, you know, well away from our building. Um, it's kind of a kind of a silly thing the state would do, but it'd be interesting. It'd be an interesting test to see, you know, who would, who would win that battle. But uh, I just it, it doesn't 
doesn't make sense to me to ban smoking you know, out there um, and tell people that are that are addicted to what is currently a legal product um, in this country uh, and their adults that they they have to leave their their government that they pay taxes for property in order to do something that's legal. <laughs> um, it just uh, kind of doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And the only justifications most of these, you know, um, people that are proponents of this is, well, it's also about modeling behavior. You know, people see people smoking, especially young, impressionable kids, and they think it's okay and a cool thing to do. And it's like, well, if you're going to start writing laws and banning things that are purely about behavior and not a health issue, you don't want somebody to model behavior you don't want kids to take up, we could get into a whole bad set of laws. Because you know, when you start talking about writing law around modeling behavior, you get into things like uh, that are built into the current Sharia laws uh, about, you know, women not being allowed to uh, show too much skin and and uh, not be able to go out, you know, if they're unmarried alone in public because it, it's modeling bad behaviors and all. Um, you know, you can get into all sorts of laws uh, that, were, that we've gotten away from in this country because uh, it used to be illegal for, um, you know, in the South for a, a uh, mixed race couple to actually hold hands or kiss in public, you know, because that was modeling bad behavior. Really don't want to get there uh, with with Lane County's code that we're passing things purely about modeling bad behavior, because we could go to all sorts of high risk um, behaviors and start saying we're, we want to not have people see that as cool. Uh, everything from piercing of tongues, that's a high risk behavior uh, that puts your health at risk to some tattooing, maybe even uh, that's a high risk health behavior due to some of the metals that are in the uh, dyes and the inks that they use. Um, you know, there's, you know, where do we want to draw the line? If it's all about, well, if somebody might see somebody smoking and imitate it, well, what about seeing somebody with a tongue piercing or seeing somebody with a tattoo, uh, you know, we're going to start making people cover those up if they're on county property. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't want to go there. <laughs> so anything you want to talk about today, as you can tell, it's a free for all day and the, the topics are coming fast and furious. I'm trying to throw them out there, see if somebody wants to jump in here. We got a good nine minutes left here on the Bo's Nose Show, so plenty of time to have a conversation. Give us a call at 646-721-9887. You can just press one. We can talk about how hot it is. And I'm refusing to say that phrase that everybody hates. In fact, I think Bill London was 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 asking for it to be banned from the lexicon for the next couple of days. Uh, and that is, you know, is it hot enough for you? <laughs> there, I said it. Not going to ever say it again. We can talk about fire danger. We can talk about smoke. We can talk about um, El Rapa's outdoor burning rigs. We can talk about the interagency narcotics enforcement team. We can talk about Beltline Road and transportation funding. We can talk about tobacco and, and outdoor uh, smoking bans. 
or we can talk about the Housing First project that we um, also had a work session on yesterday that Lane County is getting ready to, to try and put forward if we can find a way to get it funded and get it off the ground. And if folks don't know what Housing First is, it's a way of providing um, housing to folks that are homeless where there's no real requirement um, to get into it. Um, other than a kind of an agreement to work with a, a case manager. And, and the idea is these are what, you know, sometimes are referred to as wet beds or whatever else. Um, a lot of housing programs, uh, low income housing programs, you, you, you know, you can't have an on, you know, a currently ongoing um, active addiction um, to an illegal drug. You have, to, you know, you can't, you know, you have to be mentally stable. You know, you have to have, you know, some history of, of you know, that shows you can be a good tenant. Um, and that prevents a lot of people from getting into housing where housing first, the idea is get people off the street and into a place where they're safe and have a roof over their heads and at least a, a way to get food and all, and then deal with the issues that put them on the street in the first place through intensive case management. So that they're not, um, they're not basically like some of the, uh, you know, rest stops or camps where, um, you know, people can come and go as, as they wish. The, you know, some of the ones that, you know, that happened up in Portland, some of the homeless camps, uh, you know, where there's a lot of drug use and, and, and violence problems and people have acting out because of mental issues. The idea is it's a facility that has, you know, some access control. Only residents can go in and out. Um, you know, visitors are limited. Uh, and once you go in there, you're assigned a case manager and they work with you to deal with the the issues of why you were homeless in the first place, whether that's getting you into drug and alcohol addiction treatment, uh, maybe getting you connected to deal with your uh, PTSD that's driven you uh, uh, into the streets or some other uh, uh, acute mental health issue you're having, all those things, uh, getting some you know job skills, do you know dealing with the various things that that move people into housing, you know, eventually if, if they are successful with that. And I look at housing first as truly the only permanent cure to our housing crisis. Um, we're we are really, um, a lot of what we're seeing crop up, these rest stops um, and uh, winter strategies like warming centers and, and dust to dawn campsites and car camping, they're not really changing people's situations in the long run. They're uh, humanitarian, they provide shelter, they prevent people from dying, but they don't ultimately get that person out of homelessness. Because quite often there's some something underlying, some issue, some crisis that happened that got a person into homelessness that needs to be dealt with. And the housing first model gets those people safe first and then deals with those issues. 
and deals with it through intensive case management. Uh, and that's really the key. And what we're looking at is building this facility basically across the parking lot from our behavioral health department. So the actual, for a lot of these issues that they're dealing with, the help will be right there. So uh, it's kind of gonna have some great synergy and I think uh, can prove a model for how we can ultimately work on permanently reducing the number of homeless in our society. I don't know if we'll ever get down to zero homeless, but you definitely, um, this is the direction we want to want to go. Is these these programs that actually work on permanently getting people away from homelessness and get them the help they need with their addictions, get them you know financial counseling, uh, you know all the various things that you know will will help somebody stabilize move on to maybe something you know whether you know if they're if there's somebody with a long-term mental health issue maybe move them into a group home once they're stable um you know if if it's a uh somebody that's going through a, an addiction issue maybe want to get them into recovery once they're in recovery and stable they can move on to some transitional housing and maybe ultimately be independent and uh move on from there um many uh former addicts that in recovery functioning in our society today, uh, you know, from, you know, major, uh, you know, celebrities, we all know, uh, to everyday people you might not even suspect have been former addicts. Um, yeah, I could uh, have a friend that, um, is in his 10th year of recovery from meth. And you know that's a surprising thing to be recovery from, but actually is now um, working as uh, the head of the food service for the mission uh, there in Eugene, Eugene Mission. Uh, and in between uh, was one of the co-owners of Our Daily Bread out here in Benita and ran that place for a while. Uh, very skilled chef, uh, but you know, one of those things where you know you make a mistake, get hooked on something, and your life spins out of control. But he's managed to uh, recover and is now um, actually giving back and trying to help other people uh, recover. Because uh, basically, the Eugene Mission has switched their program to almost a housing first model too, where they're trying to do a lot more case management and help people out of homelessness, not just provide a bed and a prayer. Um, overnight and, and a meal and a hot meal so um, i'm kind of excited about that uh, kind of the question comes is how we're going to finance some of that as some of those financing things uh, normally we would use tax credit financing to build um, the, do the capital work of building the facility uh, the housing um, but that tax credit financing has become very limited as um, most of the, the corporations that take advantage of investing in those tax credits aren't investing them right now because they're waiting to see if there's going to be a major tax reform through Congress this year. So all sorts of moving parts there. Um, seems like the market's come back a little bit since earlier in the year, seeing it look, doesn't look like we're going to get a major tax reform bill through Congress anytime soon. So uh, 
we'll see what happens with that. But that's pretty exciting and something I'm really excited about here in Lane County is working on permanent solutions to those things because in a long run, it saves the county money to get folks off the street where we're not consistently arresting them for acting out due to some of their behaviors or the the, the petty property crimes they do to support addictions. Uh, housing them in the jail at high cost, usually, you know, if they do actually get prosecuted or, or you know, they end up back out on the street, arrested multiple times, um, they end up, you know, costing money in our DA's office, costing money in our public defender's office, costing money in the court system, going through assessments at the, the Oregon State Hospital for mental health, you know, whether they can you know, actually help in their defense. Uh, so there's costing money in that part of the system. Ultimately, if they commit enough crimes, they end up in our prison system, which is probably the most expensive way to house somebody. If we can actually get them off the street, keep them out of our criminal justice system, out of our emergency rooms. That's another place that ends up costing us money. They end up in our emergency room quite often. Um, work on why they really are on the street. Get those things cured and make them a, a um, contributing member of society ultimately. How much money does that save us as a government in the long run? Which is the more efficient way for us to spend money? Is it on housing first or is it on uh, supporting uh, the, the non-payments in emergency rooms? Uh, the, the folks that end up in our jail that are, are in major crisis um, and, and our jail staff is not you know, mental health staff, although we've actually started housing mental health staff at the jail for that reason, because we see so many people in the jail with mental health issues um you know where is it better for us to spend our money as a society and and what's the effective permanent way of curing people um and, and that's really the housing first model has been shown to actually be a more cost effective way of dealing with some of these issues than dealing with them through the criminal justice system or our emergency medical system because it's certainly you know you transport somebody in a ambulance to the emergency room, you spent two or $3,000 in that transport and just the walking through the emergency room door, let alone whatever happens in the emergency room, the thousands of dollars spent there. Um, you can house somebody in housing first for weeks for the amount of money one emergency room visit might cost. So um, definitely, uh, an exciting thing that the county is looking at doing. So this is the Bo's Nose Show, and I looked at my clock wrong about 20 minutes ago. I was thinking I had nine minutes left in the show. I'm actually down to nine minutes right about now. <laughs> but you still have time to get in on the conversation here on a free-for-all day with the Bo's Nose Show. We don't have a guest, uh, so we're not controlling the topic. It can be whatever you want to talk about at 646-721-9887. And just press one that lets us know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, 646-721-9887. And we'll talk about whatever you want to talk about here on the Bose Nose Show. Uh, you know, from you know, today's heat, are you keeping cool? Um, to the smoke in the air, 
to the fire danger out there that's generating the smoke in the air to uh, everything and anything you want to talk about here on the Bose Nose Show. In fact, you know, I'm going to stray a little bit and get into some personal stuff. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, a person that likes to sit in front of the TV a lot because I can kind of multitask a little bit. I can go through a lot of emails during a television program. Uh, and that's one of the major ways I communicate as a county commissioner. It's become, you know, something I can do at any time of day or night. You're never not a county commissioner. If you ever decide to run for county commissioner, give me 10 minutes to talk to you about how many hours a week it actually takes. So I'm always looking for good programs to watch, you know, either stream through Netflix or, you know, Amazon or something like that. And somebody suggested the series Homeland. And I don't know if anyone's ever seen that. I'm now getting into the second season. But the reason I bring it up is we've been having all these conversations, you know, today. We've talked about addiction and drug enforcement teams and housing first and homelessness. And I really like the program Homeland because it does present mental illness in a way that you can kind of be sympathetic to the characters that are suffering. Because the major character um, in this program that's a CIA agent actually has uh, you know, severe uh, bipolar disorder and, and has to be on antipsychotic drugs is hiding that from the agency because obviously she'd lose her security clearance. Uh, and you kind of get to witness her breakdown and her dealing with that as part of the show. Uh, and it kind of makes it, you know, it, here's this super intelligent CIA analyst who has a mental health issue. And it makes it very human and kind of takes some of the stigma away. In addition, her antagonist in the story is a former uh, prisoner of uh, Al-Qaeda who, who gets rescued after eight years and has been turned by Al-Qaeda um, that she's kind of foiling with, who's suffering from, you know, and, and some of his friends from his unit that are involved in this are also suffering from obvious PTSD issues relative to their military service. And you actually, even though this guy is a potential terrorist and he's the antagonist in the story, you feel sorry for him. You feel sorry for his wife and how he's, she's, what she's dealing with and, and his, his son and daughter and some of his buddies from his platoon that you know, are dealing with alcoholism and other issues of, of, of rage. And, and, and you can just see the, the, the well portrayed impact of post-traumatic stress disorder uh, from military service uh, in this show um, in a way that's not derogatory. So, you know, if you get a chance, it's not for kids. You know, there is, there is uh, definitely probably an R factor in this, that there is some violence, there is some nudity, uh, language and stuff like that. But uh, for us adults, uh, you want to watch a good show that actually kind of makes um, some mental health issues really kind of um, very uh, accessible and personal to and, and empathetically well done. 
Homeland, uh, a good series. So here on the Bozno Show, you're not only getting what's going on with, with the county, you're getting you know, your, your uh, television uh, critique of, of the week, uh, what series is good. So definitely, uh, I would recommend Homeland to anybody that wants to see a show that kind of treats some subjects really interesting. Also does not just stereotype um, the religion of Islam. Uh, I think it does a really good job handling that side of affairs. Um, so far, I'm about a season and a half in. I, 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 I'm a, a two thumbs up guy on Homeland. So see, it's a free for all day. Any topic is fair game uh, here on the Bo's Nose Show. There's about three minutes left. We can get a phone call in if you want. 646-721-9887. Uh, again, that's 646-721-9887 here on the Bo's Nose Show. Just press one if you want to get in on the conversation. Um, and we can talk about television series that I've watched. We can talk about my standard poodles, or we can talk about how hot it is, how smoky it is. Um, you name it, we can talk about it. Or we can talk about how what Lane County is doing to deal with mental health issues um, and, and, and helping our veterans even. Because we definitely have, I think, probably one of the best veteran services officers uh, groups in the entire state, uh, our, our group uh, that helps our veterans here in the county. Uh, I, I, I put them up against any other group in, in the country, just about. Really good set of individuals. If you're a veteran and need help getting your benefits or with any other issue almost, give our VSOs a call um, at the county and I guarantee they'll they'll help you out. They are red tape cutters extraordinaire. And uh, yeah, we managed to get more veteran benefits um, in Lane County than any other county in the state, even though we're the fourth most populous county in the state. So that that's a pretty impressive thing when you think about Multnomah County has more than double our population and we actually have more dollars per year coming into this county uh, through the VA and folks getting their veterans benefits and, and a good portion that's because of our veteran services officers. So um, they can hook you up uh, also with other services. So we're getting close to it here. I'm hearing the magic music come in. Bob reminded me that I need to wrap it up. We'll be back next week. Who knows what we'll talk about. Might have a guest. I might not. Depends on what the hot topics are in the news next week. So thank you for listening to Bo's Nose Show. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next week. Good night from beautiful downtown Elmire, Oregon. This has been the Bo's Nose Show. Have a great week.